You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are going to talk about 10 reasons not to homeschool your kids. So um, there's been a lot of people homeschooling um, in the last year, year and a half with COVID. I just heard a news report this morning on the world and everything in it talking about how many more families have entered the homeschooling world. So we want to give you a few statistics on homeschooling before we interview our guest, Holly Turner. So the National Home Education Research Institute, in an article published in January of this year, notes the following statistics. There's an estimated 4 to 5 million homeschooled students in grades K to 12 in the United States. That's about 7 to 9% of school-aged children. And a wide variety of people homeschool. Um, one U.S. Department of Education survey from 2019 showed that 41%, almost half, of homeschool students are black, Asian, Hispanic, and other minorities, which I found really interesting. That was unexpected. Uh, the home-educated student typically scores 15 to 30 percentile points above public schooled students on standardized academic achievement tests, regardless of their parents' level of formal education or their family's household income. 87% of peer-reviewed studies on social, emotional, and psychological development show homeschool students perform statistically significantly better than those in uh, conventional schools. And 69% of peer-reviewed studies on success into adulthood, including college, show adults who are home-educated succeed and perform st statistically significantly better than those who attended institutional schools. Homeschooled students participate in the local community and community service more frequently than the general population. These adults vote and attend public meetings more frequently than the general population. They go to and succeed at college at an equal or higher rate than the general population. And by adulthood, they internalize the values and beliefs of their parents at a high rate. So why are we talking about 10 reasons not to homeschool your kids? Because I've seen a lot of people recently as a homeschool tutor, really not count the cost for homeschooling. And they don't really know what they're getting into and they don't really research it. So I asked Bonnie, I know we've already done an education episode. Yeah. But dear friend, can we also do another one, one more about reasons not to homeschool your child? And since I didn't homeschool, I was like, yeah, I'm all for that. That's cool. Okay, so we want to talk to Holly. I'm going to introduce you to Holly. Holly has a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing and she's worked for seven years as an RN before she and her husband decided that she would stay home and then eventually homeschool their children. Her husband, Daryl, is her best friend and biggest cheerleader, and they have two daughters and a son. They live here in Middle Tennessee and are active at a local church, and she has a passion for applying God's word to everyday situations, especially the cultural lies that target girls and women of all ages. Check out some of her articles on Renew and renew.org and she loves to talk about holistic wellness, apologetics, historical fiction, and homeschooling. Welcome, Holly. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So um, let's just get right to it. Uh, don't homeschool your kids if you want a lot of free time. Talk to me about that, Holly. <laughs> um, well, when um, I started homeschooling, I didn't really think about um, free time. I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, my kids are going to go to school or... Um, all these things, I'm going to have time to go on coffee dates and I'm going to do all these different things during the day. And when you homeschool there, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> it shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, it's not something that you need to plan into your day um, because it really is, it becomes a part of your life. It, you know, I, um, I tried to find the time to uh, go to a women's Bible study and I used to feel guilty about not ever being able to make it to this Bible study with a group of ladies that I really wanted to be a part of. And, um, God just finally like showed me that 
I had time for that. There would be time for that. And that my time and my place um, was at home with my kids where he had called me to be. And I really believed, you know, that he, um, through prayer and things, we had decided that homeschooling would be the best thing for our kids at a young age and that we were going to take it year by year and we were going to see where God led us. And, and I just slowly learned that, you know, I'm going to have time, um, to do those things. And then that I just need to take the time right now for my kids. Okay. I think that, um, if any kind of mom, if you're homeschooling or not homeschooling, um, free time is sort of this unicorn that we all chase after. Right. Anyway. Um, I sent my kids to public schools and the myth of, well, now I get to stay at home and eat my bonbons and watch my soap operas or whatever it is, um, is just that it's a myth. So, um, I'm not sure that moms who do public school options or other things have a lot of free time either, but clearly if you're homeschooling, you're adding a whole nother job to your plate. Um, it is the job. It is now the job. (laughs) So you have even less uh, than you would if you're sending your kids to school. Or or even if you like um, half and half, send some to school and some homeschool. Yeah, which is even harder, I think. I've had friends who did that and because you're, you're trying to live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. Really, my first experience of a significant amount of free time was when um, my first one went to college and my second one was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then by the time my second one graduated high school, I thought, oh my goodness, is this is what it's like when you're, all of your children are in school during the day? Like, I, I, I had no idea. I was like, I, I can go shopping now. I can do that Bible study. I can do this women's group. I, all the things that I had waited to do, I now had time to do. So you just have to count the cost for your time. Mm-hmm. That's what we're saying here. Count the cost for your time. Especially in the younger years when they're less um, self-directed. Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, want to read the second one, Bonnie? So number two, don't homeschool if you're not willing to consider this, well, like we just said, your new <laughs> career or job. So you already have a job. You're parenting these little people and raising them and trying to keep them from killing each other. Um, and all trying to teach them their letters and numbers and reading and all the things, um, trying to impart values, trying to do all the things. But now you have another job. So if you're working outside the home, I just, I guess you're not. You're not working outside the home. You don't have a part-time job of any other kind, right? What do you think, Holly? <laughs> <laughs> I think for, I, I do know that there are some people who choose to homeschool that do work um, full-time and they they make it work for their kids. Um, they have grandparents or people that help out. Um, but I do feel like it it is a full-time job. I, um you know, like, like Bonnie said, people think, oh, you stay at home, you, you know, you eat bonbons and watch whatever all day. And, you know, I have had people ask me, well, what, you know, what do you do all day? Like you're at home with your kids all day. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, I, I am busy like all day. So a normal public school days generally if you don't count getting there, which is a whole nother thing, <laughs> getting them out the door with everything they need is say eight to two thirty, something like that, eight to three. So what does a homeschool day look like? You were talking to me about this, Holly, how you have, she was like making my heart sing. She was talking to me about, um, not a schedule for her life, but a routine and a flow. So just tell Bonnie what you do. Um, we, my husband a few years ago, cause I, I'm not a live by a schedule kind of person. I just never have been. I like to have, you know, an order or a routine, but my husband would say, we really like the, you know, you should have a schedule so that, and I would just be like, ah, joy no, sucker, not a schedule, <laughs> not a schedule. Um, and he's like, no, you know, not a schedule, but like just, a, a you know like on a piece of paper like so they so everyone knows what's what is happening and and so I eventually listened and you know I said okay I think this would work and we do have we have a flow of our day um one of the things that I love about homeschooling is that my kids 
do get to sleep a little bit longer than than most kids do. Um, but we do try to start our time together by nine o'clock. Um, and that is breakfast is done or usually at least brought to the table. Um, and we start off with our, we do things together called morning time. We have our Bible reading. We do prayer together. Um, I have all the kids write their prayer requests down on a sticky note and we stick them up on the wall. And then we do whatever subject we're doing that day. We have things that rotate, um, him, a memory, we do memory verses. We do, um, some art and composer learning and poetry together. And then they split, they split up. My older daughter goes back to doing her, she has a checklist. She knows what she's supposed to get done every week. Um, I don't assign things to days for her. She does that herself. And I trust her to do that because she's proven to be self-directed. Um, and she's, you know, sixth, seventh grade. Um, so she's a little older. And my middle daughter, um, she's third grade that after our morning time together, she has a list that tells her what she's a checklist for every day, her daily tasks that she does for school. And then her things that are scheduled on specific days, whether it's history or science. And she knows the things that she can do on her own. And she knows the things to ask me to do. And so I will generally do some of our together tasks with her. And then I will go do something that I need to do, whether it's figure out what we're going to have for lunch or work on one of my articles for Renew or whatever. And they know that I'm always there. They they ask me questions. But the planning of having all that in place and what the curriculum is going to be, what your schedule is going to be, what are your field trips going to be, all that, that's on you. Right. Yeah. How much extra time is that? Well, uh, luckily God led me to a curriculum um, a few years ago when I was praying about what we needed to do and what... Um, he always was guiding me to simplify because you can look around in the world of homeschool curriculum and pile so many things on and you're not doing any of them well. And I, w- I wanted to do what was important. I wanted him, I asked God to show me what was important and what we could do well as a family. And he got, he led me toward this curriculum. It's called a gentle feast and it's a Charlotte Mason based curriculum and it is planned out like completely every reading every all I have to do is buy the books and um they have printable checklists like there's a a schedule for all for six weeks at a time all the every reading all the things are scheduled out so it's really open and go there's not a lot of preparing ahead of time we're, and we're different, Holly, and we both liked them planned. Yeah. Like, I'm a very scheduled kind of person, like your first child, and I loved that open and yeah. check the boxes. Here's today's reading for this, 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 and this, and here's your math lesson. And, and I love the flexibility of if you want to take, like, if you want to take off a week for a break or spring break or whatever, then you don't have to figure out where you left off and, and what you got done already. Or if you want to read ahead – you can read ahead and you know, oh, I've already, you know, we've already done this entire whatever. And it's very flexible. And, you know, like I, I use the same checklist pretty much for the kids every year. I just change out the stuff. And so it just took me sitting down and making them once. It makes it very easy and um, I don't doable. know. It's, it's just, doable. yeah, it yeah, is doable. Really doable. I tell people that all the time that ask me about homeschooling. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. It seems like so much work. It seems like so much. And I'm like, it's really not. It's re- it can be very easy and still be a rich education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's good. So number three, don't homeschool if you have a difficult relationship with your child. Now, Holly and I have just been to- talking with a homeschool veteran of 34 years who is also a marriage and family therapist who had an interesting take on this but um let's talk about that and we'll talk about what she said to us what what about if you have a difficult relationship with your child we go through difficult times with with kids you know as everyone does in certain years of their life and 
you get one, you know, one kid through their difficult moment. And then the, the next one, you're like flip-flopping, you know, my husband and I are like, oh my gosh, we just got through this. And now we're, we're moving on to something else. And he's like, does this ever end? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> um, we just have to figure out now, what are we doing with this one? Um, but I think it can be, and I think this is something that um, the other lady touched on, is that it can be a good thing. Or it could be a, a bad thing. You know, it could be, it could be go either way. You know, you, your relationship with your kids needs to be in a certain place to be able to homeschool them. Um, if you have a situation where your kids don't respect you or obey you, then you're going to have a hard time with them at home trying to get them to sit and do lessons but she she brought out the point that it also could be that because they're at school all day, they're they're missing um, the attention or the time from you as a parent. And being at home with you could help your relationship with them. It could turn it around. And and homeschooling just takes a lot of prayer. Like you you know there are good days and bad days. Um, I sometimes I'm going through a new thing as a parent that I've never done before. And I just have to lean on people who have kids that are older than me and just praying about it. God, show me, you know, how to handle this situation. Show me someone I can talk to. Yeah, so this one, as um, Karen Costello said, you know, this is not just the eye roll years. (laughs) When your kid's like 13 and rolling their eyes at everything they say to you. I mean, that is difficult. But it's it's also, uh, Bonnie and I have taught parenting classes and for years and years together. And when a child won't even come when they're called, ever. Mm-hmm. How are, like you said, Holly, how are they going to sit and list, let, like respond to you telling them, we got to read these books. We need to go practice these math, math facts. Um, if they're not responsive to you, if their heart's not responsive to you in obedience, put the horse before the cart. And like, you really need to consider working through that before you consider taking on a whole other role, as you said, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're already their parent. Now you're all, now you're becoming their teacher, their full-time teacher. And um, it's not going to go well. Certain personalities butt heads. And, um, you know, Karen recommended that you perhaps pray through that and get some counseling together with you and that child and ask God, show me the best way to minister to this child. Show me the best way to, to draw this child and my heart and that child's heart together. And sometimes that's homeschooling, she said, and that surprised me. Mm-hmm. That was an unexpected thought. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know if this goes with this or a later question, but um, I wouldn't say I had a difficult relationship with my firstborn, but we were very alike. And um, like you said, it kind of personalities butt heads a little bit because, you know, you have two chiefs in the <laughs> in the teepee, or so she thought. Um, so also I think that I, as a mom, questioned, we all, we, we all you know, second guess ourselves and constantly self-doubt and question. Um, I questioned my ability to give her everything she needed. Yes, I know reading. Yes, I can do that. You know, yeah, I know math to an extent. I'm not known for my number skills, but I can, you know, teach to add. And, but I wasn't sure, like, I don't know child development. I don't know how to recognize a deficit somewhere or a place she needs extra help or whatever. So, so my first thought was, well, then I'll just turn it over to the experts, let them deal with it. And it it turned out great. You know, she thrived in that environment, but, um, I don't know. What would you say about that? I guess you guys are regular, normal, ordinary moms too. You probably had the same guilt and self-doubt and everything that everyone does when they're doing this for the first time. So, Oh no, I never questioned anything. (laughs) Yes. You're constantly asking yourself, like, am I giving my child everything they need? Like, am I missing something here? And, um, sure. You're, you're, you should be, I mean, that shows that you're concerned. Now, you want to be plagued by doubt all the time. Mm-hmm. But that, there's a healthy level of um, self-examination. So I'm assuming, really, truly not knowing anything about this world. Like, so you went to talk to a mother who had more experience than you. Um, there's, surely there's support structures or, um, especially as they get older, when you have no idea about chemistry or whatever it is, places to go for help, Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Homeschool conventions were, were where I first went to just kind of get an overview of the big wide world of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. 
And then you certainly in every community now you can find people to ask. There's forums on Facebook where you can you move to a town and and ask people, the local people, mm-hmm. hey, can I meet up with somebody? I, I had four or five moms that I always bounced stuff off of once we got going. I didn't even think about that. So a lot of people who homeschool are maybe military families or, or very mobile families, missionary families, things mm-hmm. like that. So put throw another thing like that in there. So you were just telling me before we started that every state is can be radically different yes. from one another, yes. the laws and regulations and requirements and things. So um, you, you get into a groove in the one state, and then all of a sudden your husband or whatever's transferred, you got to research that and change all the procedures yeah and a whole nother time so. yeah <laughs> yeah and the um the one thing that I like in in Tennessee at least is um we have access to um umbrella schools for it's sort of like our oversight record keeping and things for homeschoolers in Tennessee and the umbrella school that I use employs counselors for all the grade levels. They have an elementary school counselor, they have middle school counselors, they have high school counselors. So if you have any questions like, what do I need to teach? Or what, how do I do high school or whatever they have, there are resources, there are people that will walk you through everything. Like you can call them and say, I don't know what to do about this class, or how do I get credit for this? Like once you get into high school and, and they, they'll walk you through it. They know they can give you resources. Um, and there are also in most places, there are tutorial kind of, um, homeschool enrichment things where a lot of people use that for high school and, um, just to get those classes. Cause like you, my math is no, no good. Okay. So you want to do number four, Bonnie? Sure. So don't homeschool. If you think that all kids can learn in the same way. I think we all know that no, if you have more than one, you already know this, right? That Well, you should. If you have a boy <laughs> and a girl, you know this. This is not, they're not going to learn the same. They're not going to absorb information the same. They're not going to want to sit still the same. So mm-hmm. um, if you think that it's going to be a tidy little one-room classroom where everyone sits like and learns exactly the same, not so much, right? Yeah, definitely. Um we we talked I talked about this um earlier there I think we have been through thank goodness I mean the homeschool world is full of curriculum um and I learned early on I had no idea about the the different learning styles that exist like that you can actually google you know learning styles and look up like there's visual and auditory and all these different ways of learning and in the first couple of years of schooling with my oldest, she, like you, Bonnie, is, I have a mini miniature me in my house. And we just, I could not, like, certain things, I was just like, why are we having such a horrible day with this? We're just trying to learn, like, how to read. Like, why, why is this driving us both crazy? And someone mentioned learning styles, and I just looked it up. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh... I'm trying to teach my daughter how I learn. She doesn't learn like that. And that's why it's not working. Why we are butting heads. And and I didn't understand why this didn't make sense to her. Because it made complete sense to me. But it didn't to her. Um, and so learning styles was something that was new to me. I mean, I knew that, you know, kids learn things differently. But it was it really didn't sink in that they're... You know, because in school, you're everybody's kind of taught the same thing. So I, I didn't really think about it. Like, oh yeah, some kids have to move, and some kids, you know, all these different things. If and you think about a classroom of twenty, twenty five, thirty kids, though, how difficult that is. Yeah. I mean, most families don't have twenty, twenty five, thirty kids. Right. Most do not. But so it, for one teacher to stand up there or two, whatever, and to try to teach twenty five, thirty kids differently. Right. Each of them. I can't imagine. It's kind of impossible. Yeah. I don't know. I, do it's it. hard enough for two with two. Like I, yeah, I have like immense respect for teachers who take that on and try to, I don't see how, I can see how some days they're just like, yeah, we, they're, you know, we can't get anything done because everyone, and I can see how some kids fall behind because they're not learning 
in the way that's being taught and and it might not be picked up on especially if the parent like I think it's good that if you are a homeschool parent or not that you know how your kid learns because you can help them at home if they're not you know like I might be a parent who's like, I don't understand why you can't learn this. Your teacher taught you at school, you know, but if you realize that, oh, maybe they were teaching them, they might have taught this concept in a way that they don't understand. And maybe I need to look up a video for them, or maybe we need to, you know, like we need to figure out how to help them learn this and and take that on at home, you know, then it can be good because learning styles, you know, kids do learn differently. They're not all cookie cutters. So what about a, um, I know a lot of people, parents, um, gifted kids or, um, learning neuroatypical or, um, learning disabilities, dyslexia, that kind of thing. What do you do in that situation? Some of them homeschool on purpose for that reason. Yeah, I've had a couple of students um, when I taught at the tutorial um, who, well, for some time, actually were served really well in the public school system with their um, the needs that they had, the accommodations that they needed. And then the, they kind of hit a wall. Um, they got to a particular grade or maybe they changed schools, like went into fifth grade somewhere else and it wasn't working anymore and the parent pulled them out or they never were in school. And they had, they had a, like several therapies they needed during the day and the parent just thought, this is going to be a better fit for us. Um, and it, I've seen it work really well. And, and really in the end, like Polly said, it always comes down to parent involvement. Mm -hmm. I'll take a room full of learning disabled kids with high parent involvement over gifted kids with parents who are uninvolved any day because, um, you have the ability to tailor their day that will like best fit their needs. And I've seen them thrive. And I just, I was praying one day and I just read, you know, I found out about Charlotte Mason homeschooling and I sent it to my husband and I was like, Oh my gosh, look at this. And he was like, wow. He's like, that is what we've been talking about for our kids, you know, teaching them got about God, a foundation in the Bible and then to love to learn. I mean, that is, that's should be the goal of school. <laughs> like is to love to learn, not to, be done you know and and you know we all get tired of stuff sometimes but um I really think like back to the kids learn differently you know I had my oldest uh wanted to learn when, to read when she was four she picked it up quickly she's been reading fluently like as a five-year-old was reading you know third grade level books I mean she she picked it up quickly and then my my younger daughter has picked up reading more slowly and you know had she been in public school where they're expected to read at a certain level by second grade like she wouldn't have been there and it would have been a struggle for her and I and with her being at home we've just taken our time with it and this year in third grade her reading has even in the last three months her reading has exploded like she's reading words that she couldn't read three months ago with no hesitation and so I'm like and for me learning that that difference in her learning and slowing down with her and just taking our time has been you know a, a, a luxury I say that she you know may not have been afforded if she were in in this classroom somewhere all right let's move on to number five in the interest of time don't homeschool if you're not willing to live with a messy house at least sometimes your house ever messy holly <laughs> yes um we did talk we talked about um earlier like my husband sometimes comes home from work and opens the door and it's like, wow, what happens here? And I say, this is a sign of fun. This is a sign of a good day in this house because I know that our four-year-old has played and he has found things to do and he has not, you know, been sitting watching TV, which he does. Um, but, you know, when... When he comes home and there is a crazy mess going on, he knows that they've been doing stuff, and that's good. <laughs> um, and then yeah, they've been doing their schoolwork too. Yeah, because they had time to go. Yeah, because they mess. had time to to play that well. They they obviously had gotten their schoolwork done in time to have free time, and 
Yeah. And then, you know, uh, I think it's the third year now that I really sat down and assigned, I had like a job, a chore list that was posted. And I was like, you need to do something from, you know, you need to do something from this list. Our kids had specific chores, like making their bed and things like that. But they, um, they didn't really have a lot of assigned chores. I just had a list up. I was like, you need to do something from this list before you do this after school's done. And we were finding that we were having to say the same things over and over. And my husband was like, there's got to, like, we got to figure this out. And so one day I was just like, oh, I need to assign assign them chores to do on specific days like on Monday you do this on and they have some chores that are assigned to them every day that's their chore they know to do it and then we have ones that rotate and I I just and I sat down and typed them out one for my oldest one for the middle and I even did it for the four-year-old just to get him used to having things to do and because he he wanted to have something to do he would say I need a chore um, Use it, man. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you're gonna get one. Um, but I have made those lists, and now it took them coming to me and asking me constantly, like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Um, I mean, last night I was really like, I was cleaning the kitchen because that's like my thing. I love it, and I was thinking, I was like, this is really the only task that I have every single day that I have to do myself. But, you know, the vacuuming and the clothes, the laundry, and all those things are assigned, and they they get done. They don't always get done perfectly, but they get done, mm-hmm. and they're not on me all the time. And I was like, it, I mean, that's awesome. You kind of have to do it when you're homeschooling because everyone's there at all times right. on top of each other. you got you got to contribute. It's a team effort. Um, but I think the same is true for just everyone in every house. It should never be. You should not be the default maid. You should not be the default cook. You should not be the, I mean, everyone's in it. It's a team effort. So, um, yeah, I'll let you live here. Yeah. And yeah. and you can also participate. You can have some meals. But, yeah, that's what we do as part of a family. Well, and I, I, I mean, we, David and I like a really tidy house. We, that, we value that. It's just part of, we like coming home It's peace, when it's peaceful. And, you know, sometimes science projects glitter stuff you know it's not always going to be you know and glitter is from satan (laughs) it is it's terrible i don't allow glitter no glitter only embedded in glue you know the yes glitter glue no glitter yeah so 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 your house sometimes i mean there's going to be projects spread out and you're not going to sweep them up at the end of the day and you got to learn to be okay with that Um, and, and if you can have our space designated just for homeschooling, that's great. But we didn't for a lot of years, many years. And you just got to know like, Hey, this is part of our life and we're not packing up every single thing every day. Mm. It's just going to be out. That's tougher when you don't. Yeah. Yeah, Our home, our homeschool is done on our dining room table. Um, we did have a dedicated schoolroom area at one time and I found that my kids gravitated back to the dining room because I was there I was there and I was always doing things in the kitchen and so we've just sort of integrated our um our school stuff has a place it's not out all the time you know we but I mean it's done on our dining room table most of the time um and and I do like everything to have a place that goes back to the learning styles too. I cannot learn or focus mm-hmm. in chaos and piles and clutter. Yeah. Um, just me personally. And right. I'm sure there are plenty of children who feel the oh, same yeah. way. So if, you know, one kid is fine with it, well, that's not okay for your sister maybe because your right. sister can't learn that way. So, okay, number six, don't, do not homeschool if you're not willing to go out into the community for activities, field trips, friendships, other interactions. Yeah, so I I put this one on here because I've read some adult um, reflections, like on Quora and places like this, adults who hated their homeschool experience. They're like, it felt like indoctrination. My parents kept us home all day. We never went out in the community and volunteered or did, you know, sports or art lessons. So talk to us about that, Holly. For us... um Yeah, I mean, I can see, like, we've had people say, oh, homeschoolers are sheltered. They don't, you know, they're trying to keep their kids from knowing stuff. And, you know, Daryl and I have, our our main reason for choosing to homeschool our kids was to give them um, a biblical foundation in what 
we're teaching in their younger years so that when they do go out into other places and into the world that they they have that foundation and then we can control their exposure to things we can we can allow them to take part in things that we have that we have some control over until they're out of our house and then at least they'll be better prepared we feel like for for what they might encounter um and that's you know that's one of our main reasons was just that we we felt like that would be best for us as a family um and and especially with you know the way that things get it, it seems like every year it's like we want to be the ones that talk to them about the things of the world and not friends at school or whatever but they are exposed you know we we do know that they're exposed we we do go out you know we go to the grocery store we go to wherever they see things they hear things they are around other kids so we we talk about all these things and we're we're not trying to protect you know shelter them from anything we um they're a part of sports um we don't um I know some you know some homeschool families only do things that are church involved and only these certain um groups of people and we don't we do things out in the community as as a family um ever since they were little they've gone almost everywhere that I go they go to doctor's appointments and they go to wherever I go they talk to people they go to the grocery store they you know we work really hard with them of looking at people in the in the face when they're talking to you and answering questions even if you're you know young and people ask you know people ask questions all the time hey why you know are you out of school today and you know, my oldest daughter is like, no, we're homeschooled. And, you know, we get various, we get various uh-huh. answers, killer. right? <laughs> we get various Back answers. Yeah. We do get various answers from that. Sometimes people are like, oh, and then sometimes people are like, oh, that's so great. I bet you enjoy spending time, you know, so we get various answers, but they, I am teaching them to engage with people and talk with people about things. And so I think that's, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing for just in general life, you know. Yeah, like, you know, the statistics I was reading at the beginning of the episode, um, by adulthood, they internalize the values and beliefs of their parents at a high rate. I mean, don't, isn't that what every parent wants? I mean, of any stripe, any religion, you know, you want them to internalize your values. Um, so at, at, on some level, yes, you do. Like, you're intentionally... <laughs> incorporating these values this Christian worldview into your education but if you don't interact with the community if you don't interact with the world then your kid is going to be blindsided when they when they go out so you you do I mean as Christians we love we love our communities we want to we want to bless our communities we don't want to hide away in our homes and live our best lives by ourselves so you want to just strike that balance. You know, you don't want to be out every single day, but you don't also want to just be huddled up in an indoctrination camp. <laughs> we, we do, like, we we have had a rule since the beginning as a family, like, that we limit the amount of activities that our kids are involved in. Um, generally, they have, like, one extracurricular activity, one, um, you know, like, art or music, if they're interested in that we 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 do limit them because we don't want to be away from home constantly and busy all the time and we and we school or not yes and we do want to have time at home as a family we want to eat dinner together we want Mm -hmm. to have all these things we don't want to be going here and there and splitting up every night and taking kids everywhere and and so that's something that we have we set a long time ago even when they were younger and we've seen it work really well and we also have seen you know what happens when people don't do that and how stressed and and frazzled they seem all the time and we're like and when our kids ask we're like this is why (laughs) you know like we are trying we are trying to keep our you know keep our sanity here so So I heard um some parents that I really respect um once say this goes into our next one um the ideal time to homeschool, if you've never done it before and you're not sure if you want to, the ideal time is middle school. 
So your number seven here is don't homeschool because you're afraid of junior high or high school and all the pressures and issues that that brings. So we know you, you hit, we all know middle school and all the stuff that goes on and you think you panic. Oh no, like I can't have this all of a sudden. And I think next year we're going to homeschool. Yeah. Um, I, I saw this a lot in the last like two or three years teaching at a homeschool tutorial, um, with bullying, parents were pulling their kids out in junior high um, because their kids were being bullied. You know, the stuff going on at school, the drug scene, sex, the, you know, the curriculum they didn't like, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And um, fear is never a great, fear and guilt are never great, like, places to come from in your life. I mean, it can be like a get your attention, right? Fear is a gift to like get your attention. Pain is a gift to get your attention. But you don't want to stay there. You don't just pull your kid out um, in junior high without counting the cost. They have spent their whole lives in a classroom setting. And you're going to pull your child out in junior high and um, just stick them at the kitchen table and think they can do their work because they're, they're like 12 years old, 13 years old. And you're thinking, hey, you can handle this. They cannot like this. Go back to like number one, two, and three. Like this is your full time job. You will not have a lot of free time. Uh, you need to work on your your relationship with your child. And the first year of homeschooling is always disorienting and always really difficult as you're learning uh, what works for your family. So, so don't just pull them out and say, "Hey, okay, good. Wipe, wipe my hands. I'm gonna go sit in my home office and work my part time or full time job, and they're gonna sit at the kitchen table and do their school." That's not gonna work. I've seen other um, families, too, who um, sort of ping pong back and forth. Like, one year, we're going to try homeschooling. Well, that didn't work so well. Okay, the next year, we're going to put them in this public school. Well, that didn't work so well. So the next year, we're going to be, let's try private school. And in an attempt, in an honest, genuine attempt to um, meet the needs of their particular child or situation, whatever it is, but um, I, I just haven't seen that work well either when you get to middle school, high school, and they don't know which way's up like which <laughs> how am I supposed to be learning now and what who my friends supposed to be and yeah it's it's kind of a um I mean we moved a ton growing up in the military and transitioning is always hard it's just tough uh, on a kid who <laughs> I mean kids generally make friends easily but not always depends on where you are um just that ping-ponging back and forth where one school may be a little bit ahead of the other one. You know, fifth grade might look differently than fourth. It's just a kind of disorienting, like you said, transition, which is another kind of goes to this point, too, of the back and forth. Yeah, I mean, you've you've got a kindergarten-age child, Holly. So, like, how hard is it to, to homeschool a kindergartner? Ah, <laughs> uh, this, this will be my third. <laughs> this will be my third one. Um, my oldest, you know, we were learning – I had no idea. And, you know, for, for kindergarten, there really is, I think, you know, it's a lot of playing and a lot of learning. And I think people try too soon to have them sit and, and do a full day of learning. And when, you know, I've found that it's a lot easier for, um, like my four-year-old now, he sits with us when we're doing our schoolwork. He he loves to um, sit when we're doing our morning stuff and sing and all those things. And he absorbs things that I don't even know um, that he's doing. He, I mean, he the other day, just the other day, like rattled off our our half of our memory passage that we're doing. I didn't even know that he knew it, but he does, and he's very proud of himself. <laughs> But, um, you know, it can be, it can be hard when you, when you're just trying to learn to homeschool, the transition can be, can be difficult. And especially like Renee said, if they've already been in school for a while and you're just pulling out a junior high school or a high schooler, there's, there's a transition and there's, you know, I'm preparing for junior, like I'll, I have a junior high and then, you know, preparing for high school there's a lot of work that goes into high school, even if you're homeschooled, um, to make sure that you get all of, all of the stuff there and you, you have to be on top of it. You have to make sure that you're prepared for putting in the work, even in high school. Yeah, it is. It's so, I mean, it's easy to homeschool kindergarten. 
I mean, I had my kid first. He was, I made him do like four or five hours of kindergarten work. And I was like, what are you doing? It was, that was the Holy Spirit. What are you doing? There was not a person telling me that it was God telling me that. What are you doing, Renee? So, you know, the learning curve is steep when you homeschool, no, no doubt. But it's even steeper when you are pulling them out in seventh, eighth, ninth grade um, because it's the subject matter is harder, the hours of the day are longer, um, you have more you know, that you're working through, more material you're working through, and the stakes are higher in high school. If your child is bound for college, you need to do it right. You need right. to fulfill your state's requirements for graduation and what those colleges are expecting. So you don't want to miss stuff. Plus you're pulling them out thinking you're avoiding conflict from the school system or whatever. But uh, newsflash, those years are high conflict years developmentally anyway. So if you're having, if, you, if you've already been having headbutting with your child and you pull them out at that time, guess what? You're going to get more of at home. Yeah. So just, just beware of that. And I, I'm, we're not saying actually it was tongue in cheek, but we're not saying don't pull them out in junior high. We're just saying count the cost and, and be wise about it. Yeah. So um, think, speaking of counting the cost, so don't <laughs> homeschool if you're not willing to pay for the curriculum, tutors, or classes that your kids may need. So how much per year is a homeschooling? So for this kind of plays off of what we said about it being really um, a lot easier the younger they are to homeschool. Um, when there there is a lot of curriculum out there and it is very easy to get overwhelmed with thinking that you need all this stuff and you can um, because like Renee and I were talking earlier a lot of homeschooling families are one income families um, and it doesn't have to be expensive it can be if you choose for it to be, but it doesn't have to be, um, for kinder or for elementary school, one of the best pieces of advice that I got from when I started was from a lady who had, she had eight kids and she had been homeschooling for at least 15 years by then. Um, she told me, I was like, I don't even know where to start. I don't have, and she said for elementary school, especially kindergarten through third grade, she's like, read teach them to read teach them to write and teach them some simple math and then just read books just read all the, anything they're interested in just read to them read all these different books read good classic books you know read Beatrix Potter and read books about trucks if they like trucks and just sit and read and learn about things and then you add to that and um the curriculum that I use um I utilize a lot of, I buy used books. There are several used book websites. I search for the, I have a book list and I search for books. I search for them online. Um, there are some apps that you can use. There's a free app called LibriVox where volunteers have read classic literature into audiobook form and it's full of free books that you can listen to. Um, we utilize those in our homeschool a lot. My daughter, my middle daughter loves to listen to, to books. And so a lot of her like history readings and a lot of readings that are longer that would kill my voice to sit <laughs> and read. Like, yeah, because we're talking hours, aren't yeah, we, Holly? Like hours she will, of reading aloud. She will yeah. listen to um, several of her things. And she likes to listen to other people read besides me. So... She listens to things on her own. Um, Gu Gutenberg, there's a Gutenberg app. It's uh, free books, like classic literature. You can read almost any classic literature that's in the public domain on there, like an ebook form. Um, so there are a lot of free resources, but it doesn't mean that you should just use free things because they're there. I mean, a lot of them are good, but there's also a lot of things that are worth investing in for your kids. Um, what, what would you say your average cost? I would say, I think I said earlier that I think I ordered all of the books for both of my girls for next year um, for everything that we would do at home because my older one is taking some classes at a tutorial. But our general every year for all of our books and supplies for two kids is less than $500, I would say, that I would spend. So mine, we used Sunlight, which is also heavy literature-based curriculum. And the first, like, couple of years, I was 
um, I didn't like lesson planning, as I said, and I was overwhelmed with the idea of piecing it all together, all the books. So we just bought the package, like full retail. And I'm a yard sailor. And so it, that was breaking my heart that I was spending full retail. So it was $800 for the two children because they could do the one. And then it was anywhere between 800 and 1000 each year after that. And then I did su- supplement with some used books and things. But, um, but yeah, in high school, you know, you, when Emma had trouble with algebra, I had to find a tutor. Like I had to pay an hourly rate for a tutor. It, that was not negotiable. I, I tried a couple of curricula and they weren't working and I couldn't do it. And so you can't just say, oh, we're going to slide through algebra. <laughs> like yeah. that, you can, you should not say that. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time high school rolls around, it, it is a wise decision to consider what do I need to outsource? And it's going to cost more. I mean, because a class, a, a single class might cost three fifty, or an hourly rate for a tutor might be fifty dollars an hour or wow. seventy five dollars an hour. Good to know. So it's it's considerably more, but yeah, in the young years, it should not be. Oh yeah, there should be expensive. a lot of playing in younger years, and and especially you know kindergarten. Like you know, I'm gonna do some simple math stuff, and my my younger. My youngest, you know, he he already knows like all his letters and things like that. So I'm going to start doing stuff with him. But, you know, at most it'll be an hour a day and not maybe not even every day. You know, he's going to play. He's going to learn from he's going to he's going to listen to y'all talk yeah, and he's going to yeah. be listening. So, you know, it's I, I tell people, especially when they're like, oh, I don't even, they want to start homeschooling. Their kids have never been to school and they're just like, I don't even know where to start because they're, they're basing their idea of what they should be doing on what they're seeing either in, you know, in the school system or what their friends are doing as far as preschools and all these things go. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, you can enjoy your day and you don't have to you don't have to have three hours of school for a kindergartner like or five or five I'm ridiculous (laughs) we already knew that we already knew you were ridiculous (laughs) hey but you gotta learn somehow (laughs) start somewhere that's right oh goodness okay so number nine is don't homeschool if your spouse is totally against it uh David was not very into this idea when I mentioned it, Emma was in kindergarten and then first grade and middle of first grade, I said, I think we should consider this. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like homeschoolers are weird. And okay, let's be honest. Some of them are really weird. And so well, kids are pretty weird too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we all are a little bit, right? Are we? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, we, you cannot undertake, um, a a whole lifestyle change if you're not on the same page and so we both agreed to pray about it for a month and come back together and God moved our hearts to the same page we he actually got a job offer in another state and we thought okay maybe this is this is the right timing we're moving away anyway um let's try that and so and it was it was beautiful and he became my biggest fan and he on the days where I thought I cannot do this I'm doing a terrible job we had an awful day he would be the one to build me back up and be like, yes, you can. We can do this. And he was my biggest fan. But so if he's not on board, though, yeah, he's going to be like, oh, let's he, just put him back in school then. Just forget the whole thing. <laughs> it would be really easy. It would be. To go into that. Yeah. So how much do they do? Or is it just all uh, mom? They're the principal. <laughs> David <laughs> called himself the janitor. <laughs> That's much better. I yeah. am more of that. That is true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So not much oh, is what so, you're saying. Yeah, he was he like for us not much, but it does. It's that's not always the case. I have friends whose dads did always did the science. Mm-hmm. They always did the math. We had a couple years where David did the um, the science because I just I I don't love science. I was like, why don't you give it a go? Mm-hmm. And so and that was fun for them to do that. And um and so it can vary, but typically it's the person who's home all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In our in our case, um. We never really talked about homeschooling because um, I, I mean, we both didn't grow up really with knowing a lot of people that did that and, and we just hadn't even thought about it. But my husband's two older brothers um, had kids before us and they were 
homeschooling. Um, they had started homeschooling their kids and, and we were just kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, we, we were newlyweds. We didn't, you know, we were like, yeah, whatever. What do you care? Do whatever, (laughs) you know, like do whatever you want. You know what? We're, we don't, we're probably not doing that, you know, or whatever. But then when our oldest asked me to teach her to read when she was four, I thought, okay, well, I think I could do this. And I, we had been doing a little co-op at our church cause we had just moved there and we were trying to meet some people. And so that's where I met this, um, homeschooling veteran lady that had told me what, you know, that it would be, you know, it'd be easy and you could just, you know, t- you know, you could start with learning to read. And so my husband and I decided that we didn't even like talk about registering for kindergarten. We were just like, Okay, I'm, I think I guess I'll teach her to read, and that was when she was four. And so then, when kindergarten, you know, registration stuff came around, we just like really didn't talk about it. We were just like, you know what? I just think we should keep doing what we're doing. And we prayed about it, and we said, you know, God, we're we're gonna do this a year at a time, and we're gonna pray about it every year, and we're gonna see where you know where you lead us, and and what's best for our kids, and. I mean, here we are, you know, have a going, she'll be seventh grader and fourth grader and a little boy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he, he, like Renee said, he turned, he has turned into, you know, my biggest fan. He is like every, almost every day, at least once a week, he'll say, I am so thankful that you are able to do what you're doing. And he said, Cause he's, you know, he works out in the world and in a job and he hears people's stories about school. He hears people's stories about family things and their problems with their kids and all these things. And, and he's like, I'm just so thankful that you're here with them and they're learning things that we're teaching them. That's important to us. And that's important for them to learn. And you know, and he, on the days that I call him at work and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just, oh, I don't, you know, and he'll say, okay, he's like, you can, and he'll come home and he'll be like, see what she's doing. And did you hear what she just said? And he's like, you're doing a good job. You know, he's always my, my cheerleader and telling me that you can do it. Everybody has bad days. Go ask somebody. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm going to flip that, flip y'all's story on your, on his head a little bit, because in my house, um, it was my husband who was encouraging it. Um, at one point, not all the way through, because we did, we had pretty good success for a little while. Maybe it goes back with that middle school situation yeah. there a little bit. And he was like, all right, we need to homeschool you, which translates into you need to, you need to homeschool our, um, this is how our family probably needs to operate. And I was like, nope, hard pass on that. We're not, I don't, I don't feel that at all. So, um, it goes both ways. Like, yes. you know, if someone's telling you that that's what you need to do and you are not led that way, you're just not feeling it. Um, boy, that'd be the worst situation. I just knew feeling that way that I felt there's no way I could have homeschooled and done it. Well, it wouldn't, one of us would not have made it out alive. So <laughs> I'm not sure that would have been good for anybody. Yeah. I mean, I do know a family who the dad, it was the dad's first vision for his family and the wife was not on board and and she did try it and they did end up doing it I mean that that was what they ended up doing for all six of their children so yeah you go you both got to be on board it is it is a way of life and you cannot be on separate camps Mm -hmm. on that one yeah I see that for sure so the last one is don't homeschool if you are really concerned about what other people think of you because you know you're going to say you're weird Yes, yes. <laughs> like expect you wear bonnets out in public and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, perception. Yeah, I mean, you got to be okay. It's it's growing. And the, you know, it's possible that we have as many as 20 million homeschoolers. The U.S. Department of Education is doing a second survey um, this year to, to really drill down on those numbers because I think they just did households oh. instead of individual students. And so um, it's not as weird maybe as it used to be, but um, certainly it is a different way of life. And, and we had family members who were hesitant. And you know, my husband was 100% on board, but we had family members who um, thought it was too much for me. I was going to be too stressed out. It wouldn't be good for us. Um, I had one who was really concerned about their education and thought that it was going to be less than and um, always was quizzing my 
children at the at visits at the dinner table and I did not react well to that <laughs> in my heart <laughs> it made me really angry and I got very defensive about it and um a Karen Costello who we were talking to Holly and I uh, was so wise in the advice she gave she said you know if I had it to do again she said because her whole family were educators they were not excited. It was illegal when she started in 1983 in the state of Tennessee. So they certainly were not excited about that. And um, she kind of just dug her heels in. And she said, if I had it to do again, I would um, ask them to pray along with us in the journey and affirm that I trust their judgment. They know, they know me. They want the best for me. And if they see something in my children's life that they don't, that they're not happy with, that they think is a problem, that they would come and tell me. She just said, look for the fruit. I would ask them to look for the fruit of what we're doing and please speak into my life. And I thought, how beautiful to bring along your family in prayer and with the permission to speak into your life. Um, and I, I didn't do that either. You know, I think that's a, um, probably a reaction to, um, well, your parents raised you and put you in public school and was that not good enough for you and did we not it's sort of a um maybe a perceived wrongly perceived indictment on the way they did it a lot of grandparents or you know extended families can feel that way um teacher friends they feel like it's an indictment on their career choice and oh no 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 I want I want godly Christian teachers everywhere homes and private schools and public schools yeah that's good so so interesting so interesting. What about you, Holly? Did did your family? Well, you said your your brothers in law paved the way. Yeah, and I think my in laws like um, they really, you know, they're they're pretty solid, you know, with their faith and stuff. And I think that they, even if they didn't understand it at first, they they obviously see the fruit of it now. They, you know, we have all the way up to, I think the oldest of the grandchildren will be a senior next year maybe and I can't remember because I can't believe they're all that old but (laughs) but um yeah so I mean they see definitely um my parents like I'm an only child and my parents just kind of um they they may have thought what are they doing at first but they never really said it to us and now they they see like they see that my kids are thriving and that they love being at home and that they're learning and and that we're doing things and and, you know yeah we we get you know the questions of you know how to how do they you know how do they make friends and how do they know how to talk to people and you know the the thing with homeschooling is it's big the socialization is the biggest thing and that's like the easiest thing to do as a homeschooler um my, you know, I, I generally tell people like, go and have a conversation with my oldest and see what you think after that. Right. Because she, she's how old she is almost 13. Yeah. Like, and she's been homeschooled her entire life. She's read books. Does she wear a bonnet? Yeah. No. (laughs) And she she can look you in the eye and answer questions. She's done that. You know, I've, (laughs) I've taught them to look people in the eye when they're talking to them. They go out, like I said, with, with me in everyday life. So they go to the grocery store, they go to doctor's offices, people ask them questions and I'm, you know, I teach them to answer them. They're learning social skills and how to interact with other kids and how to play with other kids at home with their siblings. Like it's the same, you know, it's the same sort of things you skills that you learn. You can learn them at home as well as outside the home. And, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter has read books that some adults haven't read and that she comes into contact with. Hey, you know, they talk about like, what's your favorite book? And she'll say some book and it always shocks them usually. It's, and that's weird too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And a good way. Good weird. Yeah. And, so. and I, you know, I think as Christians, we're going to have to be increasingly comfortable with being weird. Yes. You know, we're just, our viewpoints are countercultural. Um, a Christian worldview is just a radically different way of of interpreting the world around us. And so, you know, it's okay. You know, by middle age, you kind of get released of this. Yeah. Right. Don't you don't you? really care whatever yeah. people think of you anyway. Well, that's something that we teach them a lot too. You know, like it's about like, we're supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be not like everyone else. So it's, it's, you know, it's a learning. It's a, if you start talking to your kids about it when they're younger, 
then they learn like, yeah, people think this is strange because it's not what everyone else does, but we do things differently, whether it's school or eating or, you know, whatever we do things a lot differently than other people do. And it's okay. You know, it's, it doesn't matter really. And yeah, like you said, the older you get, you're like, I don't care. Anymore. That's right. It's fine. I'm, I'm released. Of that. <laughs> right. Oh, Holly, this conversation has been great. Thank Very you so for much. Somebody on the other side. Oh, yeah. I love your questions, Bonnie, your perspective. Cause uh, yeah. it's just so um, different from the outside looking in. Yeah. The it's good. Looking out. It's good for us homeschoolers to think outside of ourselves sometimes yeah. too. So be able to have yeah. like explain, okay, why are we, why are we yeah. doing this? What do we need to think through? Yeah. 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 I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Okay. So um, we're going to have more of this on the the blog, some resources that we talked about today on the website, justaskyourmom.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And if you're listening, please rate and leave a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have questions or topics, uh, keep them coming in at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we want to close by saying thanks to our production manager, Shiana Avila, our tech and social media administrator, Savannah Cunningham, and our graphic designer, Emma Goodwin. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.